people struggle with guilt in lots of different ways. Objectively, we struggle with guilt because we actually are guilty. (laughs) Sometimes you feel guilty and I can't walk up to you and say, oh, you know, it's okay. Because sometimes it's not okay. Sometimes you are actually guilty and you've got to do something with that guilt. But beyond that, we've got a problem with subjective guilt. You go around with a feeling of guilt. Have you ever been forgiven of something? You've taken something, you've brought it to God, you've been forgiven, but you still go around with this heaviness in your heart. You go around and you beat yourself up. Now, that's not very healthy either, is it? Let me tell you what you do, what you're saying when you do that. You're saying, you know, God, I believe that the death of Jesus is so good that it can satisfy someone as holy as you, but it's not good enough for me. You may not think of it in those terms, but you're saying you are holier than God. When God has forgiven you for something and you choose to carry that sense of guilt around, then you're saying what's good enough for God is not good enough for you. That's a pretty rough thing. If I refuse to forgive you, I'm saying that the death of Jesus that was good enough for a holy, perfect God to forgive you is not good enough for me to forgive you. That sounds blasphemous, doesn't it? That's because it is. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. Condemnation is, of course, in one sense, a verdict of guilty. It's also a death sentence. A sentence that we will die. The Bible says the wage of sin is death. See, we as sinners all start out condemned. You are born into the world, a child of Adam, you stand condemned already. You have a death sentence. You think about the first day that a baby is born, their days are already numbered. That's appalling, isn't it? But we, from the time we're born, begin a slow march toward death. Of us, not so slow. We stand condemned. We stand under a death sentence. But then Paul comes and he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. What that means is that if you are in Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. Objective condemnation, no guilt. No subjective condemnation, no sense of guilt. That means that you have no right to be condemned. I've got no right to condemn you. You've got no condemnation from God. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I bet that in a group this size, there are people here today that need to know that deeply. (laughs) I bet there are people here who have got some sin that you've turned from, repented of, and yet it still haunts you. One of my favorite stories, I've I've told this before, so I'm going to tell it kind of quickly, but there was a lady who moved into an apartment and lived there for a while. And then one day she started calling the police and she said there was a baby crying. Maybe you remember, this is a true story. The New York Times ran a story on it in the late 90s. She said there was a baby crying. And the police came, there's no baby crying. She comes again. The baby, there's a baby crying and the baby cries all night. The baby will not stop crying. The police come again. There's no baby crying. Finally, her oldest son comes and calls the police and gives them a tip. They come into the house, 
and they cut open a piece of the closet wall, and they find the dead body of a baby in the wall. This mother, the story came out later, had been abusive and had killed her infant years before. And the older children, four and five years old, had seen it and then just kind of blocked it out of their minds. But do you know, she hid the body for years. For years, she was free from earthly consequences. But she could not shake her condemnation. She could not shake her guilt. Haunted by the ghost of guilt. You know, that happens to us, doesn't it? Your sin will find you out. The thing about sin is you can't outrun it. You can't outrun your death sentence. But you can get out of it. There's therefore now no condemnation. I want to talk about a few things. Therefore, you say, Justin, I thought you said we were doing 11 verses. You better pick up the pace. Well, I'm going to try. Therefore, refers to everything that led up to this point in Romans. Romans chapter 1 said, the Gentiles are sinners because they violate their conscience. Romans 2 said, the Jews because they violate the law. Romans 3 said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No matter who you are, God's explicit command, or you violated what you knew to be true. You know, forget about the glory of you. You're not very glorious, but you've done things that even you knew were wrong, much less God's perfect standard. All are sinners. Romans 4 says that if all are sinners, there must be another way. Even Abraham was not saved by obedience. Romans 5 says that we are saved by faith. Romans 6 says, well, if we're saved by faith, then can we just do whatever we want? It says, no, may it never be. Romans 7 says that we are at war in our hearts. That your flesh is at war with your spirit. And this is your experience if you're a Christian. You go around, and in your heart... You want to follow God, but you find there's always this temptation pulling you down. There's always this weakness of your flesh pulling you, pulling you down. Paul, at the end of chapter 7, says that the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. What does that mean? He says, what I don't want to do, lo and behold, I find myself doing. He said, what I don't want to do, here I go again. He says, I'm in this war. You've heard the, the illustration, the uh, man says there's two wolves fighting inside of him, a white wolf and a black wolf. Somebody says, which wolf is going to win? He says, the one that I feed. And there's, a, there's a war going on. You, if you're a Christian, have the spirit of God inside you at war with your flesh. And one day, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you, one day the spirit is going to win because God does not start something he doesn't finish. One day you're going to die. They're going to plant your body in the ground and the trumpet sound of God is going to raise you up again perfect. But in the meantime, we're in a war zone. How do you have peace in the midst of the war zone? In a war zone where you know you are going toward the grave, how do you know that you have no condemnation? How can you today be set free from condemnation? I know some of you beat yourselves up about things that are long gone. And some of you give yourself passes about things you're doing right now. <laughs> That's not what we need, is it? 
We need to come, give it all to Jesus, and then stand and say, I have no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. Therefore, everything that came before, no, now. Now refers to two different things. One, in your life, after you've come to trust Jesus, there is no condemnation. In the broader context of Romans, it also means now that Jesus has come, Jesus has died, and Jesus has risen again, there is no condemnation. You stand at a pivotal moment in history where God, the Son of God has come and bought your forgiveness. You stand at a pivotal moment in your own life where you decide, what are you going to do with Jesus? Will there be condemnation for you or not? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. If you are out of Jesus, you have nothing but condemnation. If you're out of Jesus, if you are in the realm of the flesh, you stand condemned. If you're in Jesus, there's no condemnation there. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The ones that are in Christ Jesus are on a course. Not the course of the flesh, not the course of our own physical desires, our own impulses, urges. When I say the flesh, I don't mean, you know, your teeth and your skin and your kidneys. I mean your sin nature. I mean who you are apart from God. You're born into a kingdom. This is going to be important. You're born into a kingdom, the kingdom of Adam. Because you're born in the kingdom of Adam, you are under Adam's laws. I was born in the United States. I'm under the laws of the United States of America. I was born here, citizen here. We are all born into the kingdom of Adam. The kingdom of Adam has got one very simple set of rules. It's the same rules, really, that God gave Adam in the garden. He says, obey me and have life, disobey me and die. The problem that we have is that all of us disobey. In the kingdom of Adam, everyone is under condemnation. Everyone stands under a death sentence. In the kingdom of Christ, if instead of being born into the kingdom of Adam, somehow you were born into the new kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, there is no death there, neither sorrow nor crying nor any more pain. The former things have all passed away. You understand, just as surely as I can't get a ticket for driving on the right side of the road in America, but I can in France... I can be under a death sentence in the kingdom of Adam, but it simply does not exist in the kingdom of Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. You're not led by the flesh. You're not playing follow the impulse, but after the spirit. You say, I'm led by the spirit of God. I walk after the spirit of God. What direction are you going in? There is therefore now no condemnation. I told you. Spent probably 30 hours on this this week trying to figure out there's too much to say. You can't say it all. Fortunately, we're having lunch, so nobody's in a hurry. (laughs) Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit has made me free from the law of sin and death. Law means principle, domain, dominion. He says, I was under the dominion, the realm of Adam, the law of sin and death, but the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free. You know, you do not become free by saying there's no rules anymore. You don't become free by saying there's no principle. You become free by saying I have moved from slavery to sin and slavery to death into being a slave of Jesus Christ and the power of the spirit of life. 
you know, is a fish free because I put it on a table? Or is a fish free when it's in a fish tank? Well, there's only one thing a fish can do on a table, right? That's die. Flop around and die. If a fish is in a fish tank, you say, oh, there's boundaries and stuff here. Those boundaries are just to keep it in the water. <laughs> you say, you know, God just wants to tell you what to do. He doesn't want you to have any fun. He's just a, the killjoy from heaven. If you are out of the fishbowl and you're on the table, if you are out of Christ, out of the Holy Spirit, then all you can do is flop around and die. <laughs> the law of sin and of death. But if you are in Christ the law of the spirit of life. You have the freedom of life. You have the freedom of real intimacy with God. The law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. Do you notice how Paul couldn't keep talking the way he was talking? He started out in this really abstract way. He said, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. He said, for the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ hath made those free from the law of sin and death. No, he just can't bring himself to say that, can he? He said, they, there's no condemnation for those, but the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Some manuscripts say you, but it's always personalized. It's all, there's some dispute about how best to translate the Greek, but it's clear that he goes from those to you and me. Hey, personally, do you know that personally? Can you say the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death? See, there's no one who's more a slave than someone who doesn't realize they're a slave. You say, well, you know, I'm not a slave to sin. I, I bet you are. If you don't know the power that sin has over you, it's because you've never fought it. There are some things that you don't know how hard it is because you've never given to the same things over and over again. You get a craving, you get a lust, you get a desire. And what do you do? Well, I do what I want. What about the consequences? I don't care about consequences. I do what I want. You're going to care about consequences when they happen. What you're saying is, I am a slave. You know, the amazing thing about sin is that it always puts the good up front and the bad at the end, right? No fisherman gets a giant hook and stuffs bait inside, right? <laughs> you know, you could try that. I think that if Brother Bill and Sister Mary had tried that, we would not have any lunch today, right? We'd be very hungry. What is on the inside of the bait? <laughs> How does sin work? Well, the first taste is sweet, and then hook, you know. Gotcha. What if you told somebody, I've got this new special drink. And if you drink this drink for the next 10 years, it's going to cost you your job and your family. You're going to spend some time in jail. You're going to have to blow into a little thing, just car. And then at the end of that 10-year period, you'll be able to get drunk. Sign up for it in that order. If we went down to the high school... And I had a big assembly. And I said, okay, I've got this plan. Up out of school, you get to spend the next two years changing diapers of various colors and smells and consistencies. And then you get to, in 18 years, sell everything you have to send your kid to college so that they can then call you and ask you to get more money. And then at the end of that 18-year period, you can have sex. 
How many high schoolers are going to sign up for the consequence first and what they want later? What if I told you Satan comes up to you and he says, hey, 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 I've got a deal for you. Special today only. You go and you give up your relationship with God. You give up your joy. You saddle yourself with guilt. And in exchange, you get blank, whatever it is, the sin that is in your life that you know you shouldn't do and you're doing it anyway. How many of you are going to take it hook side first? But what's the difference? You know, after the bait comes the hook. And if you had to make the decision of today, I'm going to give up my family, I'm going to give up my joy, I'm going to give up my fellowship with God, I'm going to give up everything that I have, and later on I'm going to get to have my joy ride, you would never do it. But we are dumb. I don't know if you knew that. I want you to keep that inside this room. I don't want word to get out, but human beings are dumb. There's a reason the Bible says that Jesus is the shepherd and we're the sheep and not we're the border collies, okay? We are not known for our snappiness in the spiritual world. See, can you imagine a prisoner who was on death row, received a pardon, and then the guard came to take him out, and he said, you know, actually, I really like it here. I get an hour outside every day, and, you know, I just, I get, I get to go, you know, uh, shovel sewer lines with Brother Don, and I just I really like it, you know? Now, if you get a pardon, what do you do? You take it. You leave. If you, though, God comes, he pardons you from sin. He says, you are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer a slave to death. And you say, you know, but I kind of like it here. Let me keep on sinning. Let me keep on being enslaved to death, you know. Maybe you even give up your sin and you say, you know, I really like this feeling of condemnation. You know, this this weight of feeling guilty all the time, it's kind of nice, you know. It's like eating something spicy. It hurts a little bit and it's good for me. Some people carry around guilt like that, don't they? You know anybody who specializes in beating themselves up? God says, I've set you free. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That means that if you stay in your sin, of course, that sin stays condemned. But if you turn from your sin and you trust Jesus, you say, I've got no more condemnation. God says, you are not condemned. The question is, do you believe him or not? And if you believe him, why are you still sitting on death row? Why do you still mope and groan? You know, you say, well, I'm really going to have to give some things up to really ever get rid of the sin in my life. You know, can you imagine somebody gets pardoned from death row and then calls the guards to make sure the air conditioner is still working properly and things like that? You know, I just want to make sure my old place is comfortable just in case I want to go back. Sin is a cruel, cruel master. And you see that connection there? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Sin and death are always together. You can't have one without the other. You say, well, I'm saved, so I'm not going to go to hell when I die. You know, sin still causes death. It kills relationships. It kills joy. It kills finances. It kills everything it touches. You know, and you get the bait first. It doesn't kill it right away, but the hook comes. The law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free. I can either be under the domain of sin and death 
or the domain of spirit and life. One, you can't have one without the other. You say, oh, you know, my life, it's just pretty miserable. My question is, do you have life? Do you have the spirit of life? Let's look a little more for what the law could not do. In that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. It says, the law of Moses was unable to take me out of the law of sin and death and move me to the law of the spirit and life. You know why that is? It's because of the weakness of the flesh. To help us obey, to make it clear we couldn't obey, but to set the boundaries of obedience, God gave the law. And you know it, you know there's 613 commandments in the old ten, but we just use the ten. Right? God gave you the law. He said, don't have any other gods before me. If you ever put anything before God, whoops, idolater. No. We around, um, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You say, well, I would never say things like that. Well, have you ever used God's name lightly? Blasphemer. Have you ever, you know, uh, don't uh, kill or honor your father and mother's fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. Have you ever disobeyed your parents? Rebel. Don't kill. Everybody breathes a collective sigh of relief. But Jesus, of course, says, if you hated somebody, you've already murdered them in your heart. God does not give you credit for what you didn't get the chance to do. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. You say, well, I've never committed adultery. Jesus says, if you lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Forget sex outside of marriage. If you've lusted, you've violated that boundary. Don't uh, steal. Ever stolen anything? You say, well, you know, just a, a little bit. Say, no, I've never stolen anything. I look a little bit closer and find out that you claim 27 dependents on your taxes, okay? You've stolen. Don't lie. It's a liar. Don't covet. That's greedy. So I skipped uh, honor the Sabbath because I, <laughs> I don't have time to explain to you how you've broken the Sabbath. And I skipped graven images. But have you ever put the physical above the spiritual? Have you ever not rested in God because you decided you were going to take care of things yourself? That's a Sabbath breaker and an idol maker. But I would bet that almost all of you here would have to admit that you are murdering, lying, thieving, adulterous idolaters. That law gives you no freedom. Now, is it because the law is bad? Are the Ten Commandments bad? You know, those are bad rules. God shouldn't have made those. That wasn't fair. No. What the law could not do because it was weak through the flesh. I always explain this the same way. If I have a shovel and it's got a wooden handle and I try to pick up something too heavy for the handle, the handle breaks. <laughs> Snap. The law is God's tool to come and separate you from your sin. But your flesh, the thing he applies the pressure to, is too weak. You are in your flesh too weak to follow after God. The, what the law couldn't do, though, God did. Look at this. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, not the law was bad, but that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. The law 
could not save you from the law of sin and death to move you into the law of the spirit and life. But God sent his son. Jesus came as a full man in the likeness, in the the essence of flesh. And for sin, as a sin offering, he condemned sin in the flesh. There is no sin for you, no condemnation for you, because Jesus was condemned. The law's got two sides to it. It's got the, this is what you do, this is what happens when you don't. That's how a law works. Um, We were... You know, I'm the police chaplain. I was riding around with one of our officers uh, last week, and we had somebody who was, there was somebody who was driving with an expired license, a a substantially expired license, an 18-year-old. And he said, well, uh, you're going to have to wait here on the side of the road until your dad can come pick you up because you're not driving off. Now, he got a ticket too, but I would much rather get a ticket than sit there and wait for my dad to come pick me up off the side of the road and... (laughs) wake up in the middle of the night to come get me. That sounds like a rough, rough, convert, rough ride home. But there was the law. Don't drive without a license. There was the consequence. Can't drive. Get a ticket. Now, nobody pulled me over and said, hey, Justin, you've got a license. Way to go. Here's a cookie. Right? That's not how it works. This is what you do. And you don't get any kind of honor for doing it. That's not how law works. Law says, do this, have this consequence. Now, the law could not deliver us because it was weak through the flesh. But Jesus came and took care of the do side by his perfect life, but of the condemnation side by dying on the cross and experiencing all the condemnation for all of our sins. Jesus' death was good enough that you never have to die. He condemned sin in the flesh. That means in the whole kingdom of Adam, all the sin of the whole kingdom of Adam came crashing down on Jesus, born of a virgin. When he died in the cross, the law had no more need to punish sin in the fleshly realm because it was accomplished in Jesus. He said, it is finished. But if we are not in Christ Jesus, we do not get the benefit of that. He condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law, now that the positive side of the law, might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So the obedience to the law comes in us, in the spirit living through us. That's not that we become perfect, but that it is the perfect spirit's life counts as our life. The life of Jesus counts as our life. Oh boy. I'm having a, a hard time believing that it's 11.54 right now. So we're going to talk fast, and you listen fast. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. The ones who are flesh livers, that is, those who are in the kingdom of Adam, their mind is set on fleshly things. They've got fleshly desires. Their mind's caught in that rut. What do you think about But those who are after the Spirit, their minds are set on the things of the Spirit. If you live in the kingdom of God because you've been born again in the kingdom of the Spirit, you live in the spiritual realm. You live in God's world. You say, well, I don't feel like I live in God's world. Well, you are in the midst of this world, aren't you? But when Jesus rose again from the dead, he rose on the first day of the week, didn't he? The first day of a new creation. He said... On the first day of the first creation, God said, let there be light. 
on the first day of the new creation, the light of the world shone out. <laughs> you see the uh, kings to the brightness of thy rising. Isaiah 60 talks about this. The brightness of God comes in this new creation. So either you're born into the old creation or you're born in the new creation. When you're born again, your spirit is part of the new creation, even though your body is still wasting away. You as a Christian, the reason you're at war is because there's two different kingdoms occupying the same spot. How does it work when two different kingdoms occupy the same spot? I'd like for you to go down to the Gaza Strip and check. You are on one side claimed by Satan in your flesh and claimed by God in your spirit. And there's a war here about who's going to be in control. So where do you set your mind? If you are fleshly, you will set your mind on the flesh. If you are spiritual, you will set your mind on the spirit. This is talking about Christians and non-Christians. For to be carnally minded, to have a fleshly mindset is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. When your mind is set on the spirit, you are no longer under condemnation. You are no longer God's enemy. You have his life and you have his peace. But the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The flesh mind is at war with God. There's no peace there. There's no life there. There's no peace because there's war with God. There's no life because there's no victory in a war with God. If I jump in the air right now and I say, I'm going to break the law of gravity, I'm not going to break the law of gravity, okay? If I run off the roof, I'm not going to break the law of gravity. I'm going to be broken by the law of gravity. Sometimes you think that you've outsmarted God and you've outstrengthed God. You know, God says, don't do this. And you say, oh, but I've got a plan. There's not going to be any consequences for me when I commit adultery and murder and steal and lie and covet. But what do you find out? You find out that God is not mocked. Whatsoever man doth sow, so also shall he reap. <laughs> sow the wind, weep the whirlwind. And it gets out of control, doesn't it? He says the carnal mind's at war with God. If you say, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, God, you're not going to tell me what to do. Maybe you're not quite that dramatic. You wouldn't have the guts to do that with your fist shaking at heaven. But maybe you've got the guts to do it in your life, don't you? Say, you know, I know, God, that you say this about marriage. I know you say this about honesty. I know you say this about anger. I know you say this about... But I know what feels good to me, and that's what my mind is set on. And that is war with God. And a war with God is a war you are not going to win. You think it's funny that the North Koreans think they're going to go to war with the United States. You are an ant before the boot of Almighty God. <laughs> you're not going to win. What you're going to get is death. Later, you're under condemnation and misery in the meantime. It says the, the mind, the carnal mind, is not subject to God's law. It's not under God's law. Indeed, it cannot be. It can't be because it's in the wrong kingdom. It's bound by the power of Adam. You have to be set free. You must be born again. So then they are that are in the flesh cannot please God. Uh, Sister Lisa, this is really going to mess you up because I was going to loop back through and do all kinds of neat things. We're just going to jump down straight to verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Here's my question for you today. Are you in the realm of the Spirit, or are you in the realm of the flesh? You say, you know, I really thought I was in the realm of the Spirit, but I just keep finding myself sinning. Here's the question. Is the Spirit of God in you? If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you do not belong to Jesus. 
if the Holy Spirit is not inside of you, convicting you of sin, aiding you in righteousness, then I don't care that you repeated a prayer at camp when you were 14, okay? (laughs) My question is, have you ever really trusted Jesus? Does his spirit really live inside of you? Has he established a beachhead in your heart that he's going to use to invade all of you? Because then even though you sin, even though your flesh is weak, there's no condemnation for you because God does not start something he does not finish. Verse 10 and 11, very quickly. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. If Christ is in you, it's true. Your body is still dead because of sin. Your fleshly side of you, the you that was born into this world, is still under a death sentence. The body's dead. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Not your righteousness. Your righteousness wouldn't, you know, your righteousness and $5 will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks, right? The righteousness of Jesus. And look at this. This I don't have time to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to have a business meeting for a couple weeks. You can't fire me. The Christ being you. The body is dead adjective, but the spirit is not alive. That's what you would expect to see here, wouldn't it be? The body's dead, but the spirit's alive. That's not what you see. You see the body's dead, but the spirit is zoe. The spirit is life itself. It's not just alive. It is life. Your spirit is life. What does that mean? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It means that in your spirit is life himself, and you cannot be condemned if life lives in your heart. (laughs) Verse 11, you've got this war going on, death on the outside, life on the inside. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. God will not stop on the inside. He's going to work his way out. If you're alive on the inside, someday the same one that raised Jesus from the dead is going to come and raise you from the dead, and there will be no more sin. Although your body will die, you are not under condemnation. You're not under an inevitable death sentence. You are under an inevitable life sentence. God has guaranteed to raise you up again. Where do you fit in all this this morning? I know we have covered so much material so quickly. Give me a second to crystallize this for you. It's very, very simple at the heart of it. If you are in Christ, God has moved you out from the kingdom of Adam where you were condemned into the kingdom of his son where you are promised everything. If you're not in Christ, you know it because your mind is set on fleshly things. Your mind is set on earthly things and you are marching a long, slow march to the grave from which you will never return. Do you know for sure that you've trusted Christ today? If you have trusted Christ, do you know that there is therefore now no condemnation for you? Do not allow anybody to pull guilt into you again. We're going to pray, and then we're going to stand, and our musicians are going to come forward. And if you need to trust Christ today, if you need to make a decision, you need to be baptized, you need to get something right in your life, you need to do it right now. Because you're condemned. Can you imagine a prisoner under a death sentence, and the governor sends over a pardon, and says, here, if you'll sign this, you're free. And you say, oh, just wait tomorrow. You know that death hangs over your head. Don't wait. 
You know you deserve death. You know you're a sinner. You know that you're bound by the law of sin and death. Why not repent of your sin and be made free by the power of Jesus? As we pray together, Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the privilege of knowing you and serving you. I thank you that you sent your son to die for us, to move us out of the domain of sin and death into the domain of life in the spirit. I ask, Father, now for your spirit to move in this place, Lord, that anyone here who doesn't know you would trust you even now, that they would have everlasting life. I ask also for your blessings on the food we're going to eat in just a few minutes, that you would use that for the nourishment of our bodies and our bodies for your service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.